Welcome to the Ogilvy Podcast, featuring expert conversations and analysis on the complexities of culture, technology, business, and marketing. Ogilvy is a creative network making brands matter across 132 offices in 83 countries. I'm Steve Mudd, marketing strategist and agent provocateur. Celebrating the industry convergence of interactive film and music, the South by Southwest Conference and Festival is at once an alchemic experience of creative collisions and an interminable slog through long-winded panel discussions that are little more than resume padding for wannabe technology evangelists from the next best startup. My guest today in this atmosphere pulled off the impossible. With the Ogilvy and Humble Ventures digital health pop-up, they created what one reviewer called an actually interesting panel on digital health with smart people saying smart, pithily quotable things, which I think I'm actually going to steal as the tagline for the Ogilvy podcast. Um, in no particular order, my guests today are Peter Fasano, Managing Partner of Digital Transformation for Ogilvy Consulting, and Ritesh Patel, Chief Digital Officer, Health and Wellness at, at Ogilvy Consulting. How are you guys today? Hi, Steve. Doing great. Hey, Steve. <laughs> yes, they're doing well. Thank you so much. And what an intro. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. Oh, and I get, and, I, and I, of course, I did the general introduction. I should. This is you know, people are listening to this and not watching this. So, if if you could maybe indicate who which of you are. Okay, hello everybody. Uh, you should recognize the accent. It's Ritesh Patel, and I work with my colleagues on uh, this podcast. Perfect. <laughs> I'm Peter Pisano. Um, hello, uh, everyone listening, and Steve. Thanks for having me today. Uh, I hope this voice. Uh, doesn't grate on you during this uh, conversation. <laughs> that's, a, that's our whole goal. We don't want to grate on our yeah. audience. So <laughs> get them to, to tune out. Uh, so what is a digital health pop-up and, and what made yours so interesting? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's something, you know, the, the, I think it was a surprise perhaps. And you know, I think with anything that gets a, a review like that, and, and I think we had fun while we were in the, in the session ourselves, actually, we couldn't get people to leave the meeting. Um, uh, even though we were inside and trying to get them out to uh, have have some rosé on a back lawn overlooking a beautiful river at sunset, they wanted to stay in a small meeting room and keep talking. So uh, we did something right. Um, but uh, this is uh, one of many that we started um, uh, uh, going on almost uh, six months now. So uh, with, with practice, things get a little bit better. And so this was an initiative that that Ritesh cooked up uh, last year, and the recipe is working. So uh, maybe you want to tell us about the, the first part of it, Ritesh, how we got to, to uh, Austin as our, our, our big event, I guess. Yeah, so we started this off uh, in, actually in uh, San Francisco uh, during the JP Morgan conference, and it was in partnership with Humble Ventures, who's our partner in all of this stuff, and uh, with a client, Mount Sinai, who wanted to do something very different than the usual presenter on a stage, going on for 40 minutes of how wonderful they are and showing off what they do, and then leaving. And so we decided to come up with a framework of conversations. And can we bring people who are all in the ecosystem of delivering healthcare together and just have an open conversation with Chatham House rules, but we didn't apply those because uh, we tweeted the heck out of things, um, and have a conversation about what they're doing for their part of trying to change the healthcare model uh, globally. And so we had a format of 
fireside chats. We started off with people in the health system, hospitals, then payers, then VCs who are funding startups, startups for themselves, and then ending with you know a showcase of four or five companies we believe are doing amazing things. No PowerPoints allowed. It was all conversations. And the format was halfway through these panels, if you want to break away and go talk to somebody because you found them interesting from the panel before, take a corner and off you go. So really engaging the audience and getting them to participate and encouraging them to ask the questions was really the secret source that we figured out. And we use that at Southside Southwest. So afternoon session, 12 to 5, same sort of concept. We started off with innovators and how do you innovate in healthcare. And then we had three innovation leads from major pharma companies talking about how they approach it. And that was really interesting because the startups got really engaged, you know, sort of how can I work with you and what can I do with you in 90 days? And I think one of the pharma guys said, 90 days? Heck, I can't even find somebody who I can talk to about your thing in 90 days, let alone do anything. So it was a really interesting conversation. And then we ended with uh, VCs who are funding startups, female entrepreneurs, we wanted to focus on, you know, what they go through it, and it's amazingly different to what male entrepreneurs go through in getting things funded. And then ending with six curated startups that ended up being 10 because a couple of the audience members says, hey, I want to showcase my stuff. So we said, come on up. And that's basically the formula we've been using. That, uh, it's interesting to see the, the national conversation in the US has very much been about you know, this massive government-led transformation and, you know, how, how are we going to change things from the top? But I'm, I'm curious, like, is there enough innovation happening at the bottom that the whole system is going to change? That was the reason for doing the, the pop-up the way we did it. We are under the belief and we have clients that we work with who are also coming to that sort of realization that it's going to take an ecosystem of people, entrepreneurs, uh, conversation guys, etc who can do this stuff to make it happen. And we think that the startups and the funding, you know, we've had $8 billion worth of funding go into healthcare startups last year here in the United States. There are innovators that are doing some incredible things to change healthcare delivery. So everything Ritesh said, um, but uh, <laughs> ultimately, you know, it, it, it was bringing together, you know, this diverse group that are, are all change agents. You know, we, we're, we're hearing from our clients that are, you know, entrepreneurial, that are working with, for, with massive organizations that, you know, are, are working against different time frames than those that are the entrepreneurs um, that they, that they are, want to, you know, engage to get competitive advantage, to address different uh, problems in the ecosystem. But, you know, I think the realization of all of them is that they, they, they need to work together and they, they need to have a common way of, of being able to do that. And sometimes even just the aspiration of doing that and getting into the room is, is a big first step. And, and that's what we're helping to facilitate over here. Um, but when we, we get to the practical pieces that Ritesh had talked about, this is what we advise our clients about. And this is how we've met many of those that participate from a, a client side perspective is that we're, we're helping them 
champion their efforts of working at the speed of innovation itself, which uh, is things that are done in uh, days, weeks, and quarters and not measured in multiple years. And so this is how investors are looking for their returns. This is how entrepreneurs are shaping their business and seeking outcomes. Yet many, many uh, enterprise uh, are moving much slower than that and they're feeling the impact of it. So, um, you know, as Ritesh had said, you know, for the, at the end of the day for healthcare to change, uh, it, it's requiring an ecosystem to work together um, and you know, certain acknowledgement that they, they coexist, but then learning how to operate um, in the same speed so that they can have a rhythm to actually do things together is, is, the, is the next phase. And, and this was an opening uh, to that. So I think that's a big deal. And, and it was a big step for us from last year, where last year we, we only had one of the five components that we, we had in our events uh, in, at South by in 2019. In 2018, we, we just had a showcase, which was phenomenal. It's a great two-hour event. Uh, introducing uh, pharma and healthcare executives to uh, a curated uh, set of uh, uh, bigger or smaller entrepreneurs um, that were ready to do business with. And, you know, what we heard from our clients at the time was that there are so many, so many innovative companies to deal with. I can't choose and I need you to help me prioritize. And so the showcase was a way of being able to do that last year and it was actionable for everybody. And it was a good takeaway from South by Southwest from our clients that, uh, you know, find a festival environment really confusing. Um, and it's confusing for those that have been there for a long time, like, uh, like us, but um, bringing it together into a program as we did this year with, with more context um, venture input and then perspective of, of uh, female founders and and uh, and a variety of other types of entrepreneurs, um, I think uh, really really just multiplied the outcome and the the effectiveness of it. I, I think you, I mean you indicated too just getting these people in in the same room is kind of a feat. Um, you know, and in reading some of the reviews of of the panel and or of, of the session, um, it talks a lot about trust and building trust. What role is trust going to play in innovation in healthcare? Well, that's the that's the biggest piece of it. Ultimately, is that if there's empathy between the the variety of groups, if we don't start conversations with "I own everything that we're going to talk about," and we start with lawyers first and agreements, which are important, um, but if we can start with a shared place of empathy and mission. Um, and and understand what the problem is that we're trying to solve together. Um, we we could get to the value place later on, and that's that's really the 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 kind of the method that we bring forward into this one is finding smaller proof points to start working together to build these relationships and just and to build outcomes on shorter term, um, so that way we can get to the big meaty things that are actually going to you know be massive uh, step changes for either organization that we can get into an equitable value position together, uh, but we don't need to start off with uh, the, the place of, of, uh, of, of ownership or superiority. Um, but, and, the, and the fact is that we talked about earlier is that, you know, this, this ecosystem has to work together and some small organizations can, can truly disrupt big ones and help accelerate the big ones into, you know, change that will keep them relevant. So um, that's that's really what Ogilvy works on together with our clients is to help them with uh, coming to agreement, 
finding those small places and uh, and, uh, and and learning how to work together um, uh, from a more empathetic uh, uh, point of view. The, the, the most interesting thing really for us was in the conversations we were having, the talk of IP and who owns it was sort of least important. And the most important was, okay, you've got something I need, I've got something you need, what do we do to make this work so it's good you know, for the greater good? And what innovations are there that are actually truly going to change uh, the delivery of health or the consumption of health? Uh, and how are we going to get that to market together? And that's a great segue for what are the innovations that are going to change healthcare? What did you see that it got you excited? For for me, there were have been a couple of things that are going on that people are working on on the research and development side. We had a couple of companies that are changing the way clinical trials are done using AI to find patients so that we can bring medicines to market faster. Uh, there was a couple of startups that are doing uh, infrastructure as a service, particularly using artificial intelligence for research and development that will literally bring down the time it takes for us to research something, discover a molecule, and then go create a medicine around it. Usually today it takes an army of scientists, you know, nigh on 10 years to do that which is probably one of the reasons why our medicines cost so much, where with machines, you can actually reduce that by half and you can bring a molecule to a phase one test within three to five years using uh, the scale of artificial intelligence. That will dramatically change the kinds of medicines we can bring to market. And then the third area was around the globalization of all of this. We found, you know, there was a startup in Mozambique that was doing some really interesting things with HIV and getting people tested and using electronic health records to do that. And then there's a company that was next to them, which was a startup that was doing similar things in India. And now they're getting together and collaborating of how they can bring all of this together into the developing world. So we're seeing it both from a US perspective in changing the way we discover and bring drugs to market and also delivery of care in emerging markets. We're using new technologies that are were in the United States that we're bringing to that market. So those are the two exciting things for me. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, there, there's, there's no sh- shortage of, 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 of problems to solve and, and everybody's coming at them from so many angles. I think, you know, at a very broad level, the thing that gets me most excited is to see, you know, the innovation that comes from the international startups in, in healthcare because there there's so many constraints that they're overcoming that they they are so so innovative at using limited resources to be able to impact so many. Um, um, but when we see those advanced uh, analytical ones like you know Ritesh was talking about for AI for clinical or for patient discovery um, and doing you know d- deep learning of electronic medical records things like that 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 those are phenomenal technical feats requiring you know just the 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 the, the best talent and uh, and technologies available but even seeing simple things happen um, where we we had met a nurse uh, from New York who. Uh, realized that there was a lot of complication in patient care and just understanding who's in a room serving a patient and is there how can they reduce time to 
uh, do data entry um, and spend more time with the patient instead. And so, you know, there was a, you know, ultimately like a, a uh, bedside uh, internet hub, uh, internet of things hub inside of a patient room um, uh, that was able to understand with sonar who, who's in the room, what are they doing, and uh, record all that information automatically into the patient record. And then all of the vital things that are being collected in the room from multiple machines collect all that information in real time so that the rec electronic medical record is constantly maintained um, and, uh, you know, the charts are accurate. You know, those are simple things that are happening here, um, but, you know, in an elegant way that you would hope that your, your home automation would handle things when you come home and see these things happen. So uh, it's, it's great to see that innovation is happening by people that are delivering healthcare, solving problems like that in the hospital by a nurse um, who got great design help to help them out, or um, what's happening out in the field, like the Mozambique uh, uh, example that we, we heard about. Actually, Peter, you've just reminded me of the most exciting things that people are getting worked up about, which was at the end when the when the fellow from the audience speaks up to showcase the product, which is a handheld ultrasound machine. Oh, that so, was remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. So today, you know, an ultrasound costs around thirty, thirty-five thousand for a hospital. The delivery of care is abysmal because you have to get wheeled from your room down to the basement where the ultrasound machine is couple of nurses there waiting for you, you get your ultrasound done and then you have to wait and get reeled back. Well, this is a handheld device launched by the guys at Butterfly Networks, which is two grand a pop. They have a waiting list of 100,000 doctors who want to buy this device from them directly. Wow. That's... It's handheld. It's, it's remarkable, incredibly accurate. And uh, just imagine the access, you know, and the impact on, on lives with with uh, you know, saving uh, days, weeks, months, and certainly even budgets for approval to be able to do these things. But the field work, we, be it in an urban location, a rural one, or you know, third world, it's, it's unbelievable. So I, I'm curious, um, and, and this is not to cue up a, um, a sales pitch by any means, but when you think of Ogilvy, Healthcare is not necessarily the first thing that pops into your mind. What is the role of Ogilvy in facilitating some of these innovations and driving some of these things to market? It's like I was saying earlier about you know what are what are the challenges that our clients are are are, are dealing with, and certainly Ogilvy has a a, a massive set of of health clients um, from from pharma, hospital systems, uh, uh, payers on the insurance side. Um, and so we, we service worldwide uh, a huge community in this area across our, our, our health uh, practices, um, you know, across all of the capabilities of Ogilvy. Um, Ogilvy Consulting uh, started its practice two years ago um, with focus on, on healthcare, and Ritesh is the, uh, the, the practice lead on that and the chief digital officer of it. Um, and maybe you want to finish up the rest of it as it's your business, Ritesh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, yes, you're right. Uh, there's a, a there's a bit of a, a sort of a uphill battle in sometimes, but in most cases, you know, we're really starting this. We started 18 months ago, actually, Peter, and we've been on this journey of how do we help our clients in the areas of digital innovation, transformation, creating partner ecosystems, and also looking internally of how they can change 
the way they operate to take advantage of these things. And that's why these health pop-ups we're doing are really important. We have our clients attend those so that they can learn that, you know, rather than doing it always the way they've been doing it, there is a new way and a new opportunity to create partnerships and ecosystems where they can take advantage of the amazing innovation that's going on around the world and the amount of funding that's going on here. So what we do is we go to clients come to us with, hey, I need to think about innovation differently. I've got a lab that I created, but it's just not working. So we can help them figure out what's the best model and framework they can use to do that. The second area we're getting a lot of conversation with clients around is how do we work with those partners? There's a startup for everything. Which one is the one I should bet on? How do I you know, create a framework to, to figure out what's the best one and how will it fit in with me and my culture and where I'm heading? So we help our clients do that and figure out the best approach and also who are the people they should be connecting with because we track those. We track the startups in Palo Alto, in Cambridge, in England, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in Louisville, Kentucky, in Haifa, in Israel, in Berlin, in Singapore, in China, et cetera. So we know the ones that we can connect them to. So we're sort of a connector as well as a framework provider. And the third area we work on is how do you do it? You know, if I want to do innovation internally at a pharma company or a hospital, what's the best way to get this going? So, you know, our client at Mount Sinai, that's the work we're doing with them. And we've created the Mount Sinai CoLab, which is a way that they can do innovation internally at Mount Sinai. So those are the areas we focused on. And this all falls into the, the digital transformation capabilities at Ogilvy. It's one of the, the six competencies of, well, why do we have the doors open at Ogilvy anyway, uh, is digital transformation. And, you know, that, that, that's certainly about how we go about uh, delivering, you know, great, great creative and engagement with, uh, on behalf of our clients. But um, uh, on the consulting side, when we lead them with strategy ahead of the uh, creative work, um, uh, digital transformation on our side is building uh, innovation capabilities for our clients, um, uh, helping them mature their relationships with partners, uh, activating their employees in new ways, and and making this whole this whole system work together in a in a, an accelerated way. So they they uh, you know ultimately are a thriving company. Um, so uh, applying that within the the healthcare area is is just part of what we do. And so I know we we build this podcast ostensibly as being about South by Southwest, and we've gone deep into healthcare because it's just <laughs> fascinating stuff. I'm curious, were there things outside of healthcare at South by Southwest that interested you that you that you maybe think um, could be related to healthcare? Were there creative collisions that occurred that were interesting? Well, you know, I think one, and we'll get there in just a second, but, but the reason why we did this at South by Southwest is that, um, you know, as, as Ritesh had said that, you know, this, the, earlier this year, one of our, 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 our first event of the year, actually, I think it was day four of January, maybe, or the five or so, something like this. But, you know, at JP Morgan, which is, you know, one of, of a handful of major medical uh, meetings or, or business meetings that, um uh, pharma companies and, other, and others in healthcare uh, prioritize, and we we hear from our clients often that they they want to show up outside of their the bubble of where they know everybody already, and you know whether it's that or a major medical meeting that they have or or what have you, they know all of the reporters, they know all of the attendees, and you know they are the big fish in the room, and. Uh, 
uh, if fish are in rooms, but um, uh, they, uh, they, they ultimately want to get outside of that. So we've been attending events like uh, Consumer Electronics Show, um, South by Southwest, um, others as well, to um, uh, engage them and expose them to those collisions that you talked about. So South by Southwest over the last five years has been uh, developing a healthcare track and it is now officially one of those. And uh, I think one of the, the interesting things as that, that's, I think, thematically overall for South by this year was that it was a bit more of a conference than a festival, uh, at least for the interactive component of it, where the, the healthcare track is, uh, or healthcare conference, along with the um, mayor's conference and uh, education conference, you know, they've put these, these thematic uh, uh, working across, you know, the collision of, of music and film and, and interactive to, you know, to find different solutions to solving problems in those industries. And, um, uh, you know, the reason why we showed up at healthcare this over the last few years is because we've been bringing more and more clients there to, uh, think differently and get exposed to, um, uh, potential, uh, partners to, uh, help them with their hiring and um and then to inspire them with 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 the creativity that that happens at the event uh ritesh is there what would you say about that from the, the healthcare standpoint or just overall yeah we've seen a growth we really have where healthcare is getting bigger but there is a collision we saw quite a few of our clients staying until uh wednesday and thursday when the music thing started to get going as well and in our humble Ogilvy Hang, we, you know, showcase some new bands. And I remember Renata Florio, our creative director, right. saying, this is amazing. I need to do more of this where I've got the intersection of health and, and this creativity that's going on that I can marry the two. From, from my side, I think the biggest thing that was non-healthcare that I got so excited about was sound augmented reality, sound AR. Uh, with the Bose headphones and the Bose sunglasses. Peter, you can describe the sunglasses because you've got a pair. Yes. I wasn't lucky enough to get a pair, but that uh. <laughs> I think is going to be a game changer in what they're doing with sound yeah. and sound AR. Yeah, no, that that really really was. They 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 talked about it last year, but this year they actually had product and and were out there uh, honestly humbly um, uh, talking about it. But you know it it's it's quite remarkable and to think about it from the point of view of, as a breakout you know piece of hardware an idea from 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 the event was that this um uh sound ar um ultimately is from the point of view of put your phone away and explore the world around you um but have context about what it is you're looking at and so with their product whether it's the you know wireless headset or the the sunglasses which have it all built in essentially uh it knows your head position what you're looking at and what speed you're going uh, uh in that direction of and with all of that it, it's able to help you understand um what's ahead you know so are you on a curated uh tour of art in your city um or are you on a on a bar a bar bar tour of the city it depends on what your mood is and what you're looking for. There was uh, several of those types of ways to explore Austin, and you can do that here in Hell's Kitchen, where I'm calling in from now. And um, we we're, we're able to understand what, what what's going on. And then you know they are also tied to pretty cool health apps like 
um, headspace where there were mindfulness uh, apps with that, that that helped you understand what position your head is in. So if you're doing a, you know, a 10 minute meditation in the middle of the day at work, um, you know, it, it, it reminds you to rotate your head to the left, to the right, up and down. And uh, it knows that you are actually, you know, uh, being active in this and not just having it on while you're cranking away something at work. Um, so um, I, 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 I was super impressed with that product. Yeah, we saw in, um, here in Denver, we had, uh, there was an, an art initiative where essentially poets went out and created poetry or wrote poetry in different parts of the city. And I, I don't know how the technology worked, but you had to be in that part of the city to be able to access the poem with your GPS. Yeah. Um, and what you, that convergence of, of art and technology is phenomenal. No, it's super cool. And then, you know, there was one too, where it was a interactive cho choose your own adventure type of book. You know, actually it was just audio. It was like a walk through nature. And then depending on, you know, if you took to the left or to the right, you ducked or whatever you wanted to do, then the story changed. So there were multiple narratives depending on how you moved your body in reaction to the sounds of a bird, an airplane, feet coming from behind you, whatever like that. So uh, pretty fascinating. And I, I, I love the idea of being able to put that in the future with, uh, with uh, you know, things that you are experienced. You know, what if all of a sudden you're running a 5K and everybody turned left um, uh, because they heard sounds, you know, coming at you. And so it would be, you know, uh, quite, quite an interesting course um, of how, how to manage that. But uh, it'd be pretty fun, I think. Well, even as, I mean, you look at the traditional hospital experience for most patients is not um, not always a positive one, but if you can integrate that sort of a experience with something that's takes the edge off of, of the stress and the anxiety and you can kind of weave in that, that mindfulness and, and consciousness and music and whatever it is to kind of set you at ease with whatever treatment you have to go through. Yeah, well, I think it's a lot so much that we do visually um, and, you know, certainly I actually I was using uh, an Oculus Go last night uh, for a meditation um, and it, it, it's, it's great to do that and to, you know, transport yourself into a very tranquil place visually and pay attention to it and actually much harder to do kind of trying to be mindful with your eyes open, um, but um, uh, really shutting down your eyes and, and resting yourself, particularly as we're connected to so many screens putting those away and just um, uh, promoting uh, what you're listening to in a more, a more active way uh, is, uh, you know, I think uh, an important sense to start building up. Anyway, it's very exciting to see those. And I think practically it'll be useful to people. And um, actually there may be less uh, bike and, uh, and uh, scooter uh, problems in most cities if, if people were listening more rather than looking. And so <laughs> that may solve other problems. Yeah, avoiding the scooters has become a constant challenge out here, just paying attention right. to, to who's on the sidewalk. So what else, uh, what what music uh, should we add to the playlist? What movies should we be watching? Uh, what were the cool activations you saw that we should be sad that we missed? Well, you know, I don't know. This year, it never disappoints to be, and unfortunately this year, as I was saying, the event was more more conference-like than festival-like. There, there were a couple of things that happened. The the music got pushed out an extra day or two the, uh, uh, towards the weekend than normal, and uh, 
so there were less less musicians roaming around um, and playing with pop-up bands and things like that. And so while I think a lot of the big corporate events have great great lineups that they that they they bring in for for events, and I, I got to see a couple of those. Um, I, I think there were less surprises um, that that happened, um, and then there's just kind of a little bit less energy and more. I don't know, people like me roaming around that like want to go to bed by 11 um, than the people that have the energy to push it all night. Um, and then the second thing was that the UT uh, Austin, which is basically right in the heart of downtown Austin, uh, they were in finals. Um, and they're usually on spring break during the same time as interactive. So there's usually a lot more energy of the college students being around too. So I, I, maybe not as much music as, uh, as, as before. Um, but I did get to a a a, a great concert. Um, um, Capital One has been been the center of of sponsoring Antoine's, which is a great nightclub and venue anyway in Austin. Um, the other 350 days of the year or whatever, um, and the they they had a great lineup every night. Um, I saw Saint Paul and the Broken Bones, and he was he was just uh filled with the spirit i guess is probably the best way to say as a former pastor as he was and so um it was a cool show um and then the british music embassy uh uh was was awesome there was some unsigned acts that were there uh they just had eps and they were just stateside for the first time and i saw um some great great performers over there from a variety of different genres Ritesh, I cannot, I can't, ima I can't imagine, Ritesh, that you were in bed by eleven. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Uh, there was uh, some very cool bands that we saw. Lots of them were local bands, you know, from Galveston, Houston, Austin, places like that. Uh, Blackalack is one. It's a duo from Austin. Two brothers, sorry, two friends who've got a tremendous rap following underground. Uh, yeah. Check them out, uh, and then. The, the, the really cool thing I saw was a couple of artists who've decided that they are tired of other people taking their money. So they've created an influential influencers app where they're the ones who are monetizing their own uh, celebrityness in their local markets using shoppable video on YouTube and creating content and also doing deals with brands directly, which is an interesting thing that I hadn't seen last year. But I saw three or four artists that I hung out with who sort of got an app that their their YouTube video is now shoppable and they've done a deal with a brand and you can buy these glasses that I'm wearing and my hat and that sort of thing. So you're seeing a lot more self-service of managing their own uh, own strategy around influential and brand building. Well, I think I think we've got we've got some great plans that we're we're working out uh, with. Uh with uh, colleagues here in, uh, in in Ogilvy from a variety of different offices about how we do how we do plan for South by Southwest in 2020. Um, you know, I think that the the event itself, as I think uh, your opening was spot on. You know, the popularity contest of 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 uh, being a featured speaker and and having an event there is great. Uh, you certainly can sponsor lots of things. There's no shortage of people that will take your money to do that. Um, but, you know, I think whether, you know, last year when we put on an event for about $1,000 or this year for a little bit more than that, 
Um, it's really about getting the right people together and, and helping them with, with conversations. And it is those collisions, whether it's at the Driscoll after 1 a.m., um, you know, meeting people from, uh, that are filmmakers and um, uh, developers or uh, people that you know. Um, or, or you're bringing together your clients and, and others there, that it's an important place to, to, to engage. You know, one thing that we, I think, is an evidence for how, to, how and why to plan early um, as, we, as we've started now is that, you know, of our Ogilvy clients, there were more than 250 uh, people attending from our, our top 50 clients. Um, that says a lot, you know, well, they're all in different kind of roles within the company. They're all there, you know, seeking, seeking answers and they're all there trying to network and engage. And uh, as, as a, as a partner of Ogilvy, uh, we should, we should be there to, to um, help them take away more and actually act on it. And so that's why we're going to show up there next year and why we have showed up over the last couple of years and in, in new and innovative ways to um, help connect Ogilvy with our clients and, for us to, um, uh, you know, uh, participate with uh, uh, in, in communities that we love too. Excellent. Well, and I will be the first to volunteer to do an on-site <laughs> broadcast of the Ogilvy podcast. We'll do a 24 hours straight of digital healthcare innovation. <laughs> um, Peter Ritesh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank my you. pleasure. This was great. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Uh, and thanks to all of our listeners on the Ogilvy podcast, smart people saying smart, pithily quotable things. Ogilvy is a creative network making brands matter across 132 offices in 83 countries. I'm Steve Mudd, marketing strategist and host. Join us next time when we analyze whether or not Michael Avenatti should continue to conspire with Russia to win the 2020 presidential election. And that's a wrap. 